Hello and welcome to episode 621 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, December 14th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on, man? Oh, just another day in paradise. I've had an hour and a half of sleep. and oh, you're, you're on fire. Oh, I'm just, yeah. No, it, It's okay because that like is a hell of a lot more. I, I went two straight days without sleeping pretty much the other day. So it's been uh, it's been rough. Um, not that the baby's that difficult or anything, but uh, my wife apparently will wake up at any sound of like the baby makes. So I've just been sleeping on the couch with the baby, which doesn't go well. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, I've actually been sleeping, so I can't, mm. I can't, I can't actually relate here. I can live vicariously through you. You can just pretend. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't sleep a ton. But I'm certainly getting more than than one hour a day. Um, you know, in the winter, I try to sleep more just to pass the time until baseball comes back. You're hibernating. Yeah, because it it sucks without baseball, dude. And yeah, I'm going to complain about it because now it's cold here, too. And not just spore cold. It's actually cold. It's in the 40s with wind. And it's probably taking it to like a 30 wind chill. It's a nightmare. Wind is the devil. Uh, but anyway... We do have plenty to talk about. The hot stove is keeping us warm. The winter meetings weren't, you know, over the top. There wasn't a lot of amazing stuff going on. There was, there, you know, none of the uh, the major pieces dropped. But we got enough to keep us warm. We got a pretty lengthy transaction. a lot better than last year. year. Exactly. There was, like, nothing last year. Last year was total dud. And so this year we actually got some some real moves. We got another Seattle trade. Weird. Um, but let's, let's start with Andrew McCutcheon. And, and talk about him going out to Philly. Uh, this is a move I, I really like. I, I wrote this one up for us on on Rotographs, and I I see a real positive move here because if you look at his season last year, obviously you watched him up close and personal for your Giants. He was one of those, you know, he was doing well. The 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 slash might not uh, jump off the page at you two fifty five, three fifty seven, four fifteen, but that's why park adjusted numbers and and things like WRC plus are so important. Because you see a 115, and you're like, okay, he was actually playing pretty well. And then he had 25 games, the, basically the last month with the Yankees, and he went off. So he's basically going to another park like Yankee Stadium with uh, Citizens Bank. So back into, or not back into, really the first time fully in a hitter-friendly park because uh, PNC isn't that hitter-friendly, but it's certainly more hitter-friendly than uh, AT&T. But this is his first year for McCutcheon in a fully hitter-friendly park. He's still got his pop there. His speed is still uh, right in line with where it's been. If you look at sprint speeds and all that, he's still taking his walks. He doesn't strike out a ton. I see some value here. I'm excited about a 32-year-old Andrew McCutcheon because I don't really see his price skyrocketing either. What do you think of uh, McCutcheon in Philly? I think outside of you know him staying in New York, which was never going to happen considering the outfield they already yeah. have, uh, there aren't very many locations I would kind of prefer him in over Philadelphia. I think this is a great move by them, uh, especially if it doesn't preclude them from signing Harper. I know there are a lot of reports out there that their interest isn't maybe as high or they're not willing to deal with the BS of it all. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I don't know if I buy that. I, I think at the end of the day, Harper ends up in Philadelphia. Uh, uh, and I think him and Odebell and uh, McCutcheon are going to be a pretty dynamite outfield uh, in Philly, but from just a McCutcheon standpoint, like you said, he, he's played in these pitcher-friendly parks. 
the majority of his career, except for the short stint in New York last year. Uh, I always felt like just watching him uh, in San Francisco that, one, the park was not built for him, obviously. Uh, yeah. And I just felt like he was unlucky, and the lineup around him was awful, and they the Giants aren't a team that likes to run. Not the Philadelphia runs a ton either, but... Uh, I don't think they'll hold him back. I think, no. you know, he'll get his double digits, his medium double digits, 15 or so for McCutcheon. I think that that's perfectly reasonable or put it in say the 12 to 15 range and i i, I look at kind of steamer and depth charts projections on him 26 home runs 11 stolen bases 263 362 474 triple slash uh projected for next year i think that is pretty fair in terms of power i'd probably give him back a couple more stolen bases but i like that projection and you're not having to pay a huge price for him. The price will go up after this, but yes, uh, I think McCutcheon is a pretty steady contributor. He, you know, plays a ton of games every year, uh, and I think he is kind of well worth where he's going to be going. McCutcheon or Puig? McCutcheon. McCutcheon. I mean, depending on where Puig ends up, because I don't think Puig is a Dodger opening day. That's fair. Uh, McCutcheon or Ian Desmond? McCutcheon. So in the uh, Rotowire mock. I took McCutcheon at pick 141, higher than his current ADP, but obviously that those that ADP was established with him on the free agent market. And I mentioned Puig and Desmond because those are the two. That 141 pick would put him smack dab in between those two as the 40th outfielder off the board with Puig 39th and Desmond 41st at uh, 138 and 142, respectively. And I am completely fine with that. And frankly, as much as I like Stephen Piscotty, he's the next one up. I would take McCutcheon over Piscotty as well because I think you're going to get maybe a little less power, but you're going to get those steals, and I'd rather those 10 steals than, say, five to six more homers. Well, he's also only a season removed from hitting 28 home runs. Correct. Uh, in in uh, in Pittsburgh before being traded over uh, to the Giants. Um, and I here's the thing, like, if you want, if you're, if you at that point in the draft, you've already kind of taken some gambles. McCutcheon is a steady Eddie. Like Desmond sure. is a guy that, like, I love Desmond because he fits right into my punt batting average kind of strategy. Because he's gonna I, give I me have pop. a hard time quitting Desmond too. By yeah, the way. he's gonna give me pop. He's gonna give me speed. Uh, reports are they're looking at first baseman to maybe transition him back out into the outfield for full time. So he's gonna have dual eligibility uh, and. But at the end of the day, like there is a lot of downside to Desmond. There's no real downside. There maybe isn't a huge ceiling on McCutcheon anymore, but like there's no downside. Dude has played at least 150 games in every season except for one since 2010, and then that one he played 146. He was still great. Yeah, that was yeah. a fantastic season. Uh, one of his best from WRC Plus standpoint, 25 homers, 18 steals that year as well. So, yeah, we, we like McCutcheon here. The price will rise. I, I feel like it could rise, say, as high as, uh, I don't know, kind of into the 120s where Will Myers, David Peralta, and Ender and Ciarte are. And I'd still be fine with that. I, I might, you know, kind of mix it up and go Myers I'd on one. i take him and, over all of those guys. I I, I I Myers Myers is interesting because he like Myers is gonna have eligibility at what, like three spots if he plays third Out, base? Outfield and third. I don't think he has first Oh, anymore. he doesn't have first anymore. Oh, that's right, because uh, Hosmer was there, so Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm a sucker for liars. He belongs in that group. Um, I, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't think I would always take him over Myers and Peralta because I like both those guys too. But he, I think he belongs in that group. So, if McCutcheon's price doesn't rise and you're still be, being able to get him at 140 or later, you better jump because I think that's a really good price on McCutcheon. All right, let's talk about this uh, three-way deal. I mean, the most Jerry Depoto thing ever. He made this trade from a hospital bed. Uh, hope you get well. <laughs> Apparently, he's dealing with some blood clot situation. I'm trying to make light of that. It's just it is just so Depoto to be making a trade when he's trying to uh, get his health right. So Jerry, get your health right, then you can come make some trades. I, this one, I I don't really understand fully. All right, it's three way deal. Edwin Encarnacion goes to Seattle. Carlos Santana back to Cleveland. Um, and then the Cleveland-Tampa Bay portion of it, they send uh, – Tampa Bay sends Jake Bowers to Cleveland. Yandy Diaz and Cole Solcer, uh, kind of a player to be named later, who was named very quickly, by the way. It started as a player to be named later, and then he was instantly named. I don't know much about Cole Solcer, but uh, Yandy Diaz is is kind of the the appeal there. This is particularly interesting on the Tampa Bay side because like earlier this week, they were singing the praises of Jake Bowers. And then uh, I guess that was kind of the kiss of death, the old vote of confidence, where it's like, no, 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 we love him, we love him. You're traded to Cleveland. So I, I don't know. I think with Edwin and and Santana, it's a little bit of a cancel out situation. I don't know that there's a whole lot of movement with their fantasy value. Are you changing your fantasy outlook much on either? Because I honestly think the two uh, deeper league guys, Bauer and Diaz, deserve more coverage. But let's get your quick thoughts on on the Edwin and uh, Santana flipping spots here. I, I think for Edwin, it doesn't change his value a ton. If anything, uh, maybe this is a slight boost for him because uh, I can't remember where they necessarily had him hitting in the lineup in Cleveland, but... I think he's more guaranteed to hit towards the top or, you know, 3-4 in, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Santana, I almost wonder if this hurts his value because he could have been hitting, like, in the 2-3 spot, and he definitely won't be doing that now in in Cleveland. The only thing I'll say is I never thought he would stay in Seattle, so yeah. it was just such a theoretical that he was going to be the number two hitter for them that I never really fully bought into it. But your point is is fair, because now he'll probably move into, what, like the 5-6 spot? Well, Russell Resource hasn't projected for four, because oh, yeah, I guess that, that back fits. half of that Cleveland lineup is actually pretty atrocious. Uh, if I'm them, I think I bat him, too. I go Lindor, Santana, Ramirez, open with the three switchies, you got on base out the, yeah. uh, you know, through the roof with all three of them. The problem is that you're very left-handed the rest of the way. That's true. You're, I'm looking at it right now because right now Ross Resource has Kipnis, Alonso, Bowers, Naquin on a platoon, Leonis Martin. Those are all lefties. You're right. You got to kind of balance it. I, I'm completely going to change my tune here because of that and actually say I'll go Alonso four, get Santana to five, just to kind of uh, balance it out a little bit because it is so lefty heavy. Here's the bottom line though. I don't think they're done, so maybe we shouldn't get oh, no, too for sure. worked up on it because they're going to make some sort of move that I think will involve getting a right-handed uh, bat for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think whatever pitcher they end up dealing is going to have a, a right-handed outfielder coming back their <laughs> way. Yeah, that that seems like the inevitable thing. Uh, Kluber for Puig and you know a couple other you know minor league pieces or something like that, uh, which I think I would love for for you know. 
at least for Cleveland. Well, I mean, I hate it for the Dodgers because I hate the Dodgers. Well, you hate the Dodgers. I don't want to see them get better. You would not hate that for Kluber's value. Well, and I'd hate it for Ross Stripling's value. Yeah, I'm already, you know, I'm already worried about what what they've got going (laughs) if they do get another ace. (laughs) Me too. Me too. I mean, I'm just here. Here's my hope. My hope is the Dodgers trade Puig and Ross Stripling in a minor leaguer for. For something like Kluber or Bauer? Kluber or Bauer. Okay. That's that's my hope. I would like that too. Something that opens up Ross Stripling for a full. Uh, drafts uh, for a full rotation spot. I fully agree with. So that's where we're at with Cleveland. Let's talk about the 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 ba- or uh, not Cleveland, but Santana and Edwin. Let's talk about the Bowers Yandy Diaz part here. Like I said, they were singing Bowers' praises, and, and then they immediately flip them. Um, Yandy Diaz is one of those guys who looks great on paper, or actually, I should better say on picture, because you look, he's super yoked. Uh, it's it's easy to kind of like get excited about him. But my guy uh, spends so much time in in the weight room, he doesn't really focus on uh, figuring out how to lift the ball off the ground because he smacks the ball. You know, he got hard hit rates and then he's, he's yoked, smacks it directly into the ground. This is where hard hit rate um, on its own does nothing Stat for you. And, hero. Yeah, where you need to understand uh, that it uh, hard hit rate alone does not do anything if your launch angle is poor if you're beating the ball into the ground he has a 53% ground ball rate this past year 57% for his career really undercutting the 44% hard contact rate and even the the beauty is like his medium and hard like he hits the ball very hard he's only got a 15% soft contact rate for his career but when it's just into the ground it's like you can't really do a whole lot with that so he did hit 312 in his 120 plate appearances last year but one homer. It's just like, what are you going to get out of that? Is this the landing spot where they can help him lift and separate, elevate the ball a bit, and keep that keep that uh, power or or that that you know hard contact and turn it into at least line drives? Because if he's smacking doubles and and extra base hits in the alleys, I'm cool with that. But right now, I can't get too excited about Andy Diaz. So let's talk about him first, and then we'll get to Bowers. What do you think of Diaz, 27 years old, going to Tampa Bay? Uh, do you know what his launch angle is? Like negative five, isn't it? <laughs> it's four point four. It's terrible. <laughs> Which for his major league career is up huge because his <laughs> for his major league career it's one point nine. Oh my god! League average is so about it was eleven. Negative then, <laughs> might the as well before. have been. Like it's like he's chopping wood when he's up yeah. there. Uh, I'm telling you, it's, it's 98 miles per hour, like directly in front of the catcher. It it, it creates a divot in the freaking grass right there, where the uh, right before the the dirt hits at at, at the mound or at the uh, at the plate. It's crazy. It, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous. That being said, you have to think that Team Bay thinks that they can fix that because he is just a not. I don't want to say minor. He is a major launch angle change away from being an insane power hitter certainly uh, there could be a lot of value there you know unfortunately this is going to raise his price quite a bit um but if you are in leagues in which uh you know you're drafting early um he's going to be buried in adps especially if you're drafting a couple weeks from now before the adp really gets you know crazy or out of control i'm going to get some shares uh, of ds uh, just because there isn't much of a price attached right now. I figure he's going to be at least platooning, if not starting full-time in Tampa. I mean, I would say it would depend on, on what he's able to do 
as far as kind of uh, revolutionizing his swing. This could be one of those guys, you know, we get them all, every year, the, the boatload of stories of guys making changes that are going to net major results. If, if we learn, you know, oh, he's, he's really worked on it with this hitting coach. He's lifting the ball. Uh, he goes out and hits five homers in spring. Yandy Diaz is somebody whose price would just shoot through the roof because of the excitement that it could generate. Um, but I think even a, a roof shooting, so to speak, like even going through the roof relative to where he's at now, I think Diaz can only go so high. Yeah, so I don't sure. think it's going to go to a point, you know, he's at 495 right now. He's an afterthought. Oh. You can add 250 picks to that, and mm-hmm. you're still talking about a late-round pick. So even if the excitement went crazy for him, you're still talking about somebody who would be affordable. It's just that now he's a complete afterthought, and he could develop into something who's a little chic uh, later-round pick for Yandy Diaz. Yeah, this is a guy that I'm going to be watching in spring training. I'm, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going yeah, to be watching and. Uh, you know, a lot of spring training is just kind of BS. We don't really care. We're just listening for news, hoping guys don't get hurt. Um, but this is these are one of those guys where anytime I see a Rays game on TV, I wish you could just get every spring training game on TV. But right, uh, I don't know. I don't know in this age like how we can't get spring training and preseason football games uh, on demand. But uh, you know, what are, I feel like the football ones actually are available. Not to not to derail. I feel like on like an NFL package. I think you. I, don't, think know. You, I don't know. It's Maybe. not not on the ticket. <laughs> I wish. Okay. <laughs> um, they usually replay them all on NFL Network, so you can get you can get them eventually. Maybe that's but, what, maybe that's what I was thinking. So, but if he, you know, and I'll, I'll kind of just you know do some side by side comparisons, uh, you know, with old tape with him and. If I see that launch angle seemingly going up, I'm going to start investing. Uh, and you know, he's 27 years old, so he's right at the peak of you know where his power potential could be. Uh, if he changes that launch angle, we're talking about a guy who has pretty darn good plate skills, uh, almost 10% walk rate in the majors in his short stint last year, and 16.4% in AAA. Uh, I think he could be a monster, and I think this is one of those true sleepers out there. Uh, obviously, like you said, price is going to go up, but even like you said, if it goes up 250 spots, he's still a bargain. Yeah, totally agree on Yandy Diaz. Uh, Jake Bowers already kind of is in that hype circle a little bit in terms of getting some love. He's already at 275. I think he was somebody that people were saying, hey, you know, got great plate skills here. Struck out a lot last year. Kind of, kind of got lost a little bit uh, after a hot start in the majors, but nothing that, that you can't work through. He's going to be 23, really knows how to take a walk. Like I said, struck out a lot more than we'd seen in the minors, but also had the power spike that we talk about when minor leaguers come up. They have great plate approach. They know what they're doing. They maybe didn't show a ton of power in the minors. They seem to unlock a bit of power in the majors. He had 11 homers in just 96 games. His career high in the minors was 14 homers in 135 games. So it was nice to see that. He does run a little bit for a first baseman, too. Has three straight seasons of double-digit steals. Um, got six, but it was six for 12. So definitely needs to pick his spots better. Despite just a, a you know paltry 201 and and striking out too much, 201 average and striking out too much, he still managed to be just under league average with a 95 WRC+. plus. So again, despite the flaws... It was uh, lingering around league average, thanks, and mostly due to the uh, 14% walk rate and 183 ISO. Jake Bowers in Cleveland, is he a full-timer, though? Does this hurt his value because he's likely 
likelier to uh, maybe be platooned? Or, or what do you think about uh, what Bowers can do in Cleveland with that uh, with that lefty heavy lineup that we talked about? It's interesting because now he's going to be playing the outfield full time. Yeah, because they have Yonder Alonso and, and Santana to kind of bounce between DH and first. So I think he probably will play full time. At least in the beginning, they're going to give him some run. Obviously, this is a team that wants to compete. They're not going to let a guy with a struggling bat continue to to hurt them. And he's he. I can't imagine he is. I know he was not considered necessarily a great defensive first baseman, if I'm remembering correctly. But this is a guy who was supposed to be a first baseman, so I can't imagine he's going to be a great outfielder. Uh, though they don't really care. They 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 run Tyler Naquin out in that outfield. So. Um, I don't. I've never been a. I've never been a Jake Bowers guy. I don't think he has a ton of power in that bat. Uh, I think he is kind of Eric Hosmer-ish, uh, which has some value, but I don't know. It's not an impressive hit tool. I I look at the steamer projections and I say that seems fair. And for those okay. who don't have him in front of him, it's fourteen home runs, thirteen stolen bases. 234, 327, 390 triple slash. I think Man. that's about right. And I yeah. and that depends on how much they're going to let him steal from like the seven or eight spot. Sure. Yep. I think that that's definitely fair with regards to Jake Bowers. So I don't know. You know, there's the, I, I like the, the foundational skills there in terms of, of being able to take a walk and uh, having shown that he doesn't strike out a lot in the minors, but. I, we saw a lot of that strikeout at the major league level. I agree with you on the running and how much they're going to let him do it. But he's someone to, to to keep an eye on. I could see maybe slotting him in a corner or a fifth outfield spot, but uh, not somebody I'm chasing. I, I'm not sure I'm really chasing anybody in this deal except Santana. I I, I love Santana, so I'll probably oh, see, I'm, I'll I'm, probably get him. I'm always on E5. So uh, and and it doesn't look like. Bowers has outfield eligibility in most leagues to start the season. So 18 ah, games in the okay. outfield. So depending on what format you're playing, if you're playing with a traditional 20-game minimum, he will not have outfield eligibility. He'll get it early in the season, but he's going to start as a first baseman. And is this the kind of person you want at your first base or corner? That is interesting. Actually, I'm seeing, I'm seeing 20 games. I don't know if it has to be 20 starts, but I'm seeing 16 and left, 4 and right. I got four and le- or fourteen and left and four and right. So there is a there is a miscommunication somewhere. There's I'm going to go with FanGraphs since I'm a company man and say yes, that as that, you yeah should. So um, I was talking about what, but I will say, uh, NFBC is going with whatever says that he has outfield though. So oh, interesting. Just know your know your league, know which site you know what what your site says, and and, and go with that. So in right, Yahoo, so that, he'll that, have that, shortstop. He will because he looked at shortstop once. He said he wanted to play it. Once. He's a tight end in in, in in Yahoo. He's also a catcher mm-hmm. and a center. Mm-hmm. So it just says C, so you can really put him at either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, next move. This one's interesting because isn't didn't it? This it's interesting for this reason. You know, you'll understand. Didn't this guy not get signed until like spring? Uh, coming <laughs> off of. Fairly decent season last year in 2017 for Lance Lynn. Couldn't get a deal, um, and then basically missed all of spring training, and then he finally got a deal. And now he gets three and 30 
off of a 477-153 ERA whip combo. I understand that he rebounded a bit with the Yankees and and his skills were there and all that. And, you know, I've actually been probably closer on uh, uh, to Lance Lindbacker as as anybody in the fantasy community. So I'm not trying to totally hate on him, but I'm just looking at the numbers that I see here. And I don't understand how he goes from, I guess we'll sign you at the last minute by the Twins to here's 3-30 and 30 from the Rangers. So that's what he gets. Obviously, he's going to start. It is Texas. Texas is not as terrifying of a place to pitch as it used to be. It's still difficult, though, because it's hot and and, it, and it's Texas. It's just that they cut one of the jet streams to make it a complete, 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 complete launching pad. I don't think so, though. I, I don't think I'm going to take any Texas starters. So sorry, Mike Miner, Lance Lynn, Drew Smiley. What do you think, though, of Lance Lynn getting a 3-30? A, a I don't know about the 3-30 and 30 part of it, but in terms of fantasy, I'm a little bit interested. Uh, AL only, mostly. Uh, really deep mix leagues. Uh, like you said, he, he was better after being traded to the Yankees. He uh, 4-14 ERA, uh, over 10 strikeouts per nine, got the walks and homers were down. Uh, and that was with an extremely high BABIP, a 364 BABIP. In uh, a pretty kind of, in a in kind of a low uh, left on base percentage, his strand, his strand rate was probably lower than it should have been. Uh, he, he was getting balls on the ground, uh, and he and and getting guys to swing and miss, and that was something that was completely missing for some reason in Minnesota. I don't know it, what the change was. I haven't had a chance to really. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't dived deep into Lance Lynn yet, uh, but get on that deep dive. You're not sleeping, so get in there. You have to think that there was some sort of change somewhere. I don't know if he just started, uh, if uh, he started throwing a different pitch more, or uh, was maybe the fastball was playing a little bit better uh, in the second half. But I think that's mostly what it was. I think he was just kind of getting back. You know, he didn't have a spring training, so got too late start with Minnesota. I don't know if his trajectory was start bad and then finish a little bit better with Minnesota. I, I haven't looked at his game log, but you know. The fact that he was better late in the season is not the most surprising thing to me because he didn't oh, get wow. a spring training. Same with Alex Cobb, by the way, who didn't, and then he ended up having a, a, a good second half. We talk about at, these look guys. Look at his pitch values. He for the year his fastball had a negative five point seven value, but just in New York alone, it was a positive four point four. Wow. So, so I mean, it completely one eighty. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's something that they had him tweak. You know, uh, it, it wasn't a. Um, velocity or usage situation; those were on point, similar in Minnesota and the Yankees. But did they move him on the mound? Did they did get go his up mechanics cleaned up? Did what? What went up a the, little? The velocity did go up a little. You start start the year at ninety one, ninety two, uh, and by the time he gets to New York, he's hitting ninety three regularly. Oh yeah, I was just looking at the composite. The oh, composite yeah. said ninety three one to ninety three three. But the bottom line is, I do think that. Missing spring training the way he and Cobb did and kind of grinding through that and and figuring it out in the second half. I mean, I'm looking at the game logs here. He opened with five earned, then zero, but then five, six, six. I mean, working that off is going to take a while. When you allow five to six runs in four of your first five outings, that's going to take a long time to kind of whittle down. So, um, yeah, Lancelot, maybe maybe you got me a little bit more sold. I, I just I don't want anything to do with Texas pitchers right now, though, except for LaCour. I mean, it's a deep league play. 
It, it definitely. I, definitely. I, I, I wouldn't it even. I don't even know if I'm gonna like invest in a 15 team league. Now nah, you, you you said he's your 20th starter off the board. You already said it. It's yeah. locked and loaded. We got to move on to the next one. Right, right next to Chris Stratton, like last year. Yes, yes, Chris Stratton. This is my Man Chris Center Stratton your, of 2019. They're your aces. I think this one will work out better for you. Um, all right, Justin Borg, another guy I like, but now I'm a little bit uh, up in the air about his situation. Don't be. And and so he's going out to L.A. This tells me uh, that that they understand what Pujols is, and they're not just going to let him legacy it up and and take at bats that he doesn't really deserve. That that's what this tells me. And because Otani is going to be getting DH, I wonder if this also means that maybe they have a, a later season plan of Otani in the outfield. Not right off the bat. I think it would be something they have to work it into. But I do wonder. So Justin Bohr goes out to the dot uh, goes out to the Angels. Excuse me. And you know he's coming off a bad season. That's why he was non-tendered. But this guy can hit, man. And I, I think with regular playing time, he's still somebody to watch, uh, even on just a strong side platoon factor because he crushes righties. Uh, he also, outside of last year, dude has some batting average. He's not just your prototypical, you know, low average, high high power sort of guy. He has a career 260 despite last year's 227. The year before that, all-star campaign. Or no, it wasn't. Excuse me. Maybe should have been. But he had 289 with 25 homers, uh, 83 ribs. I mean, I, I like Justin Bohr. I'm excited by this move because he's got a good landing spot, but I just hope that they're going to give him the playing time. And that was my biggest concern because I thought they just are going to blindly play pool holes. But this tells me no. I I think that they're going to release pool holes. You think so? Like flat out? Not even? Because there, there's been talk of like they want to keep him on the roster until like the summer because apparently they're going back to St. Louis. Mm-hmm. If you're a contending team, though, which they do fancy themselves as, whether they, whether we believe they are or not. And I don't think they're done, by the way. I think they're going to get a catcher, maybe Ramos or Grandal off the market. And then you look at that lineup, it really starts to come together. If they can get some health with their pitching, which is a major, 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 major key, uh, because that that I mean that's the key for pretty much any team. They've built bullpens on the fly. I like what Billy Apple's doing. I think get a catcher, get one of the big relievers still out on the market, and you can fancy yourselves as a wild card contender particularly if you do cut pools and you go with Bohr as the full-time first baseman and Otani as the full-time DH. So you don't think he makes it to the start of the season? Uh, he might make it to the start of the season, but I think at some point early on in the season that they just eat that contract. Uh, we, and I know there's still a ton of money left on it. Uh, it'd be too low, esque Yeah, and it, it would be really ugly, kind of a black eye for the organization. Uh, at the same time, they have two years left with Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. And if you're not going to try to win a championship when you have arguably the greatest hitter of our generation, maybe you know, arguably one of the greatest hitters of all time in your lineup, and you know they're not going to re-sign him long term. You have to take a shot at a championship here. No, I agree. I agree with that. Now, here's where it gets a little muddy with cutting pools. He's supposed to work for them after this. He has the the personal services contract that's supposed to start. Now, is that something where they fold it in and they say, "Hey, we'll get you some." Obviously, we got to pay you this money. It's your contract. But could they work some sort of agreement where they say, "You know, we'll just." We still want you to work for us. I, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I think they're going to want to make it not ugly, where they just discard him, 
because of the 10-year personal service, 10-year, 10 million personal services contract. Um, but my God, they owe him 28, 29, and 30 the next three years. Yeah. I. What the hell were you thinking? I mean, if they're going to be willing to cut that kind of money, and I'm, I'm hoping they will. I, mean, I could be wrong. They could just be saying, well, we're just not willing to play you full-time anymore. And uh, and if you're straight up with it, maybe like – Maybe he's maybe Pujols understands like listen I'm I'm not I'm not myself um, you know I, I want this team to win I want uh, I want Trout to you know get get as close to the the peak as he can let's uh, let's see what we can do I'll I'll take some at bats against lefties although he doesn't even have like a strong lefty platoon either so it's not like they could even work a perfect uh, bore Pujols platoon which only makes it weirder. And of course, his injuries make it so you don't really want him on the field either. It's just a tough situation. And again, this is this really isn't a 2020 hindsight thing. You knew when this deal got signed that there was no real way it was gonna it was gonna look good here at the end. Now you we just were thought hoping, you were gonna get a championship or two in the meantime. Exactly. It was it was the idea was that it would be better up, up front than it was, and he wasn't god awful but those heels just ate ate up his uh you know kind of his flexibility and he had a 123 from 2016 to 20 uh, 2012 to 2016 excuse me 23 percent better than league average not bad but you were really kind of paying for like a 130 plus and and hoping that that he would be kind of that centerpiece along with trout trout kind of near the top of the lineup pools in the middle and it didn't work and now you get that albatross part and holy hell, is it bad, Justin? I mean, 80 WRC plus last year, 92 this year, and then, like I said, all that money. This so, could be like know. a three-way platoon type situation too, between two spots for Otani Pujols. I mean, I, I know that people are really excited about Otani just getting to bat this year. That yeah, that people are really high on him, but. We don't really know how much the Angels want him to play full-time coming off this surgery. Yeah, how much he can go right away. I think a lot of people are putting down the yeah. the full season right away. And I'm, I'm excited about him, too. I mean, he's such an exciting player. It's hard mm -hmm. not to be. But you're right that maybe they understand, hey, we're not going to have him for a lot of April or something. And The hype train's uh, going a little far right now, I think. It's getting pretty exciting, dude. And I, so I, Don't get me wrong. I, I think... It's going to be really interesting, especially with uh, Osmus saying that he doesn't think that he needs to sit against left-handed pitching. Because That's one, the only way he's going to get better. Mm -hmm, and one, But one of the reasons I think Steamer has him project so high is because they didn't discount him a ton versus left-handed uh, pitching. So yep. if you want to get to that 30-home run mark that Steamer has for him, he's going to have to hit against lefties. So Osmus saying that sounds great. But maybe they don't want him to play every day because – Especially early. Yeah. I, I could see it being early where they say, hey, we're not going to go every single day. Well, and we're as he's rehabbing too, it out. he's going to be after rehabbing to, be, uh, to get back on the mound at some point. So you're not going to have him you know, rehabbing and hitting every day, uh, especially a guy who already has the surgery. You don't want to do anything to mess up the rehab. So uh, – I feel like maybe this Boar signing could have more to do with Otani than okay. it does Pujols. Uh, that being said, I don't want anything to do with Pujols and wasn't going to have anything to do with him anyway. So 
Uh, I'm probably out on the price on Otani for 2019. Uh, 2020, I'm going to be leading leading the charge as him potentially being the number one overall pick in fantasy. Especially uh, because you're going to realize how wrong you are this I, year. I might be, um, but we'll, we'll see. So, <laughs> uh, but Boar, Justin Bohr, I like. I like the Boar price. Is, is is barely being drafted. That was because he didn't have a landing spot. I get that. There's another guy I took. Now this one is a little little hotness. I'm not. I'm not. Can't get too deep into the rotowire mark. I said we could share the like top ten picks. That he was not a top ten pick, but I will tell you, I took him in the reserves, pick four hundred. Just keep that to yourselves, okay? Don't go telling Clay Link and getting me in trouble, y'all. That's the only one I'm giving you after the tenth round. That's that's hotness. I will tell you that I was sniped on Kyle Gibson, and it really angered me. It made me so happy. J- James it, Anderson sniped me, and then I got a text message yesterday from Ian Kahn saying he would have taken him a pick before me just yep. to piss me off. It, it, it made me so happy. Uh, that was a fun draft, by the way. You, you sniped me a bunch, but I just knew you would because you were at the back end I there, put together I the worst possible team. Well, I put together an amazing team, but uh, it included Bohr, pick 400. That's going to go up, but is he... Is he a corner for you in a 15-team league, or is he still reserved? Because I He's got him a corner, in the reserve. I think. Okay, you think First you can get him First base as- and third base get pretty ugly in a 15-team oh, league. Uh, and don't forget that the Angels lowered that right field fence. Yes, they did, and that's going to help Otani as well. It, it, it really it improved their park factor. And and. Outside of Otani, who, like we, like I said, we don't know exactly how many plate appearances he's going to get. Cole Calhoun is the only other lefty in this lineup. Wow. So they lowered that fence, which has been hurting their pitchers. They brought they brought in Justin Bohr for a reason. They need a left-handed bat. Yep. Uh, they the want to maximize this, yeah, in the middle that of this new lineup. wall, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think he's going to get... As long as he's not awful, and there's obviously the chance that he is because he was pretty bad at times last year. Rough though, season, for sure. Uh, though I think he 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 was a bit unlucky. Um, he was dealing with a lot of trade rumors, which can always get in someone's head. Uh, I think he can be a guy that hits 25 home runs, maybe even more than that, with a decent average, 260 uh, in L.A., uh, and really be a nice contributor that you don't have to pay for. Yeah, I agree with that. I I, I really think uh, Justin Bohr is going to be a nice value pick, despite some of this crowding here. I think it, since it'll keep the price down, I probably will still get some shares, even though uh, I would have liked maybe a, a clearer path to full time for Bohr. But uh, keep an eye there, especially if they do do something with pools where they kind of move him away from taking any point in time. All right, we got three starters in a row here. First, the Reds trade for Tanner Roark. Then we got the Yankees signing Jay Hab and the Rays signing Charlie Morton. These three are all, um, I think Hap and Morton are, are cut above Roark. But uh, pick your favorite here out of, out of these signings, and then you can specify the league type that you like it, uh, it because obviously Roark's a little bit. They're not quite all three the same. So who's your favorite move here between Roark, Hap, and Morton? Give me Charlie Morton. I just... All right, let's talk Morton to the Rays. Two-year deal. They went out and spent some cash, too. I mean, this is a big spend for them. I think he's a perfect fit. When I heard that they got him, that made so much sense to me because they're not going to push him. Five to six innings is totally fine for them. I don't think they're going to subject him to an opener. It'll be him and Snell that don't really get openers. Um, he's been great. He's 35, though, and, and fantasy ageism 
will creep in. What do you think? Uh, what do you think we're going to have for draft cost, and what do you think it can do out there in the AL East? AL East, excuse me. You have to think the draft cost goes down, considering he's leaving leaving Houston, so he's leaving the run support that he had there. But it's not like that Tampa Bay offense is you know bad. I think mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay offense is pretty interesting. I uh, trashed him last year. I'm not going to make that same mistake uh, <laughs> this year. Uh, I think that Morton, while I don't love the division, it's not like the division from a talent standpoint is any worse than he was facing already in the AL West. So uh, he gets a couple bottom-feeding teams in that division. It's a decent park uh, to pitch in. Uh I like Morton. Health is always the question, uh, but certainly he pitched 167 innings last year, the most of his career, uh, I believe, or well, since uh, 2011. Um, so he's healthy right now. You're not having to pay a ton, and he can pitch like an ace when he's on, and uh, that's the kind of guy I want is like my third or fourth starter. Yep, I, I really couldn't agree more with that. You mentioned the two bottom feeders, uh, Boston and New York, so I have those garbage teams to pick on. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> it's probably honestly though uh to to kind of push back just a little on that it might only be one bottom feeder once vlad and and bichette get up there and if if Wardis guriel you know kind of pans out and they've got they've got some offense work in there in toronto but i think it'll at least start the season as a team you're not particularly afraid of yeah i think once vlad gets up there it definitely helps things out but we're still talking about you know a, a, a team that is uh, rostering guys like uh, Kevin Pillar and uh, Brandon Jury, Devon Travis, Billy McKinney leading off. It's not a it's not a world beating team. Not at all. Not at all. So de- definitely not a team that you're you're terribly afraid of. But I agree. I I, I think Morton's price will dip because of this, and uh, that will definitely work for me. So uh, I like Morton there. Hap stays with the Yankees. Obviously, he was excellent with them, and we're not expecting that over a full season. That would be foolhardy. Um, he did put up a 269, nice, and a 104 whip or something. Hang on, 105, and he was seven and 0 too. So I mean, he was just he was really going well. Skills were were basically the same though. He had a 20% strikeout to walk with the Jays, and then 18.2% with the Yankees. Another guy, basically, kind of like the peak of what Lance Lynn hopes he can be as a fastball heavy guy. Uh, I wonder if there was anything where those two were kind of, you know, I, I wonder if they linked up at all and, and talked about their plans of attack. Obviously, they're righty and lefty, but they're so fastball heavy. When everyone else is getting away from fastballs, those two are diving into their fastballs and having success with them, too. Um, Hap is another guy where the ageism, I think, is going to keep the price down. No one wants to be caught holding the bag on a 36-year-old, but there's really nothing in his profile to make it make us think that he should be worse than the mid-threes and then one teens whip you know something in the 115 to 119 whip area with strikeouts too he might not hold the full 26 percent that he had last year or this year versus the 23 of last year but if he's in that 22 to 25 percent mark on a good team that's going to hold his leads i think half's pretty good too i and especially at the cost he's the 52nd starter off the board I'm fine with that. It's not flashy, but if he's my third or fourth starter, sign me up. What do you think of uh, Jay Happ in New York? Mm, I'm not as enthused. Why not? Uh, he gave up 1.41 to homers per nine after uh, landing in New York. Uh, FIP and XFIP were like a run and a half more than the ERA. The ERA was great. Uh, 
you know. And, I mean, that is that is the home runs for sure. And he had a ninety percent strand rate with the Yankees. That's not going to continue. And a I don't, I don't bad really bad need it. To. Uh, I I think there are some warning signs on Hamp. Uh, I've always liked Hap because I've always felt like you got a really steep discount on the skills. I don't know that we're necessarily getting that discount, and I think the re-signing in New York, uh, it, it, it's definitely not going to lower his price. It may even push it up a, a little bit, and they're just guys that I like going behind him or going right around there. I mean, Carlos Martinez, I'd rather have these going 20 picks earlier. Uh, Nick Pavetta is going about 15 picks after him. Shane Bieber going in 25 picks after him. Well, now wait. You can't complain about Jay Hap's home runs and then tell me Nick Pavetta is a pick. I, I just, but he's not 36. He's not, but he's also not. Eduardo Rodriguez. See, fantasy ageism, y'all. I'm telling you. Ageism. Everywhere. It is a little bit of ageism, but give me Rich Hill going 171, 30 picks below. You're you're just doing that to counter your ageism. (laughs) (laughs) Dallas Keichel going 173. I need to see where he lands first, because if he goes to like Toronto or something. Andrew Heaney, my boy Andrew Heaney. I I don't need a 269 though. That's what I'm saying. Add a run to it. Go 369, 117. Kevin Gosman. Come on. 208. Yeah, I just I'm I'm not gonna have it. I've always gotten shares of J Hap because I was getting him like outside the top two hundred. Uh and I just felt like he was kind of that steady Eddie contributor. Uh I think I think he's just a little bit uh, you're not getting the discount that I that we used to get and uh I mean, he, he he put up a three sixty five one thirteen combo last year and he was a top twenty starter. Yeah. Player writer, so I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not. I don't know just, that I'm going to have a ton of shares of him either. But like, I don't. I don't see a lot of reason f- for the concern. I think that's. I think that's my only pushback. Really, is that I understand. Like, I think the whole home run situation. Like, that's why he has a mid threes instead of a low threes. I got him 35th, um, and I think that that's kind of where I'm going to keep him. Uh, and so yeah, that, that's Jay Hap. Let's talk about the Tanner Roark deal. He's going to go to Cincinnati. You talk about a steady Eddie. He's, he's trying to get back to his steady Eddie level because that when he's on, that's what he can be. It's just kind of this solid guy who has a, a decent ERA ratio, ERA whip combo. Doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, but was usually on uh, with Washington. You know, able to get wins. Last year was a disaster. I, actually, the last two years have been tough. Despite the innings, you like him for innings. He's eaten up some innings, but they haven't been good, and that's been the problem. And a little bit of a home run issue has crept up with him. He's at 1.2 the last two years. Going to Cincinnati certainly doesn't help that. I don't want to overrate it every time they get a pitcher, but I am excited about what Derek Johnson can do out there. The, the Brewers pitching coach who is going to Cincinnati, I'm more excited about what he can do with, say, Luis Castillo and Anthony Descofani. But Tanner Roark as an NL guy, I don't know. I don't hate it. You know, I, I feel like... Um, he can probably he he can get back to eating 175 innings with a 3.8, which doesn't blow your socks off and certainly doesn't uh, get you anything in uh, mixed leagues that you're really crazy about. But I, I don't think he's totally toast at age 32. I don't know that he's toast. I don't love the move to Great American Ballpark, and that that's the concerning part. His uh, fly ball percentage jumped up to 37 percent over 37 percent. Uh, last year, home run rate re- went up. 
Uh, now you're leaving a, a fairly neutral stadium in Washington and going to Great American Ballpark uh, and being on the team that is kind of the bottom feeder necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, the offense isn't, but the, the, the team itself has been a bottom feeder in that division. That's a tough, tough division with a lot of power in it. Uh, going to have to pitch there, going to have to pitch in Milwaukee, uh, Chicago in the summer. I, I don't love this move for him. Uh, I, I probably wasn't going to have a lot of shares to begin with. This probably puts me all the way out. Yeah, there's just not somebody that you sh- you need to be like bending over backwards for. I could see him being a waiver pickup. Mm-hmm. Streamer. Uh, his cost, yeah, his cost really isn't there right now. He goes through um, the stretches, like these stretches where yes. he's uh, great. And if you can ride those stretches and those waves well, then he can be a really nice piece for you. But uh, you have to – you can also – you know, get stuck with those bad stretches that really hurt you. Yeah, we, we, we've seen him be great for, for two different seasons in 14 and 16. Um, but when he, when he isn't, he's a mid-force guy. So be careful with Tanner Roark for sure. All right, three relievers, none of whom are expected to close. So we'll kind of bunch them up and you can pick your favorite as well. Joe Kelly to the Dodgers. Yours familiar back to the Mets. And Alex Claudio to the Brewers. Claudio obviously just going to be some lefty depth. Uh, for that bullpen, so uh, he he merits a mention just because he's going to strengthen their bullpen. But I don't know how fantasy relevant he's going to be. So it's really down to Kelly and Familia. Who do you like better between that that pairing? As a pitcher, I like Familia better. But as a fantasy asset, I think I like Kelly better. Uh, I think he has a better chance of getting some saves if something happens to Jansen again. He's uh, had injury issues and heart issues, so. Uh, I just don't see Familia – something, you know, catastrophic has got to happen to Edwin Diaz for him to lose that role. Uh, yeah, exactly. So and uh, something catastrophic has got to happen to Jansen as well. But uh, I think th- there's a better chance that he could miss time and you could pick up some sneaky saves. Okay. I, I think that, that that assessment's definitely fair. I, th- I, I think Familia can still have some fantasy value as a um, good ratio, high strikeout can. sort of guy. Yeah, and, and Kelly can too. Um, if he, if he kind of is the guy we saw in the playoffs. You know, Joe Kelly was fantastic in the playoffs. I think he's been one of those guys who's always had really impressive stuff that's never really matched up to his numbers. Um, even in 2017 when he had the good ratios, 279 ERA, 119 whip, he still had uh, like a two strikeout to walk ratio, which is meh. like he walks too many, mostly because his stuff is so gross that that guys can lay off it. But uh, you know, he had a really big he had a really big playoff, particularly in the World Series. I think he had ten strikeouts um, in in like five or six innings. It was really nice for him. So he ended up getting a deal there, eleven and a third. Uh, with just eight hits, zero walks, 13 strikeouts in the playoffs for Joe Kelly. So good for him there. They're both kind of those roster fillers. If you're just trying to get uh, get some strikeouts and, and maybe get some ratio help, I like Familia better to that end. And both should be their, their second-in-commands, though, for, for the closer role. All right, now we get to the biggest moves. These are huge. Tigers sign Jordy freaking Mercer. Whole Lee, Cal, move over Carlos Correa. You ain't got nothing. No, uh, Tigers signed Jordy Mercer. Um, Don't care. James McCann. You care a little bit about that second one because of why? I just worry that it could potentially hurt Wellington Castillo. Uh, I understand that. I will 
say as somebody who watched James McCann play a lot. I could here's where it could maybe like rob some extra plate appearances that we don't really see late in games. They could do a defensive replacement situation, and unfortunately, it could take away some versus lefty. Uh, that's what James McCann's been best at. He wasn't this year, but that's kind of what he built his career off of was being somebody who could hit lefties pretty well. He has a 200-point platoon split over his career despite last year's awful work. And Castillo himself generally does well against lefties too. So unfortunately, he's going to lose some of those premium uh, chances against lefties. But for the most part, it really shouldn't undercut Wellington Castillo too much uh, outside of a little bit of playing time. Um because McCann has defense and will get kind of those spot starts against lefties. Yeah, and right now the White Sox have uh, Daniel Polka as their DH, so maybe they can move. Uh, oh, you know what? Yeah, Beef could play uh, DH against left. Actually, that's a really good point. So maybe he won't lose those versus lefty plate appearances. Okay, well, that actually uh, that actually makes it a little bit better then. So maybe don't worry so much. And he's getting off his feet for those ones playing DH, so that works. I love where Castillo's I, going to in drafts right now. Oh, yeah, uh, I, t- I totally agree. I believe he at least has a good reputation defensively for Jordy Mercer. I don't know if the metrics fully bear that out. I'm looking right now. It looks like he's been more he's okay. I mean, mediocre than anything else. So, yeah, that's actually going to be a decline for the tigers then because jose iglesias was a premium defensive shortstop so i'm surprised they didn't re-sign him i'm just figure you know figure why not how, how much is he really going to cost yeah and and he really helps your pitchers that you've got especially once you start to bring up the young pitchers i probably would i, I would have preferred that but either way it's an it's not too consequential one way or the other there so those are the moves let me see let me do a little refresh on trade rumors make sure we haven't had anything go in in the time we've been talking nope we're all good so we're gonna close it off with a few more post hype hitters outside the top 150 we got some pushback on some whether some of our guys were were post hype or not don't get so hung up on the terminology i i don't know that it's really that big of a deal i don't know that there'll be any question on any of these guys though i think they're all well maybe one i see i see one who people might say he hasn't even been in the majors yet how can he be post hype well because the price has gone down because he was overly drafted last year but anyway let's start with ian happ he might be my favorite on this entire list only because i was so hyped last year (laughs) and uh flopped so spectacularly and he drew some you know he was going right around bias and he drew some bias comparisons and obviously they went they went opposite ways and the reason i kind of liked him I was like, you know, he's more advanced at this age than Baez was. I think he's going to be fine. And I believe he led off the season in Miami, literally like the first pitch of the season, uh, the entire season. Like, I, I think their game actually started first, home run. And, of course, confirmation bias through the roof. And people were just like, oh, dude, told you, Ian Happ, great pick. Like, literally saw that trash on uh, on Twitter. It was amazing. I, I bit my own tongue to not do it because I did have him in a bunch of spots. I was just like, yes, I made such a good pick. I'm so good at this. And then he hit 233, 353, 408, 15 homers, eight steals. It was not a good season. Sophomore slump all over the place. But can Ian Happ rebound at age 24 and be something worth going for? I think he can. Uh, I, I, I know it was it was ugly, but 
in, in spite of the increased strikeouts, uh, he you know made some improvements in pitch selection and kind of learning the major league zone. Uh, he still has power. I think he's going to be okay. He just may not be the superstar that some people, uh, including us, uh, thought he could be. <laughs> so, because uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was right there with you. I, 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 I know I was down on Baez, and I was you know, getting hap in different spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't like overly enthused. I wasn't. He wasn't on all my teams, but he was on enough where you the know I'll eat some me? crow. Yeah, the only thing that saved me was if Baez, Happ, and Albies were all going around the same spot. And you guys know I leaned Albies there. So if Albies was available, I took him. And I know he kind of petered out as the season went on. But his baseline season was completely fine for pick 95 or whatever. Um, Happ is like 150 picks cheaper now. He's going 253. Yeah, he's, he's going got outfield, too well. third base. I'm back in like at this price at this discount. He actually has a discount. You know how some of these guys that we've been talking about just on on both ends of the spectrum, pitching and hitting, um, had the bum seasons it disappointed us, and they're not having a discount like Luis Castillo. Uh, Hap, it, the the community has said, you know what, you need to be pushed down. He's been pushed way down. I get it, but I'm in at this price for sure. The only thing that's gonna put me out is if the Cubs do find the money to sign Harper because if they sign Harper yeah they sign Harper they're gonna move you know Hap is maybe out of a job Hap would start bouncing around he'd have to be kind of move Hayward back over to center then he's fighting with at for at bats with Schwarber and and, and and Almora yeah it's uh I don't think the Cubs are gonna do that uh, yeah, they they would have to get pretty creative apparently. So uh, they'd but... be better off spending assets on on getting pitching. I mean, like, would Harper help? Yes, because it's Bryce freaking Harper, and and Jason Hayward doesn't have a bat anywhere near his. I don't. But know you that look they at that can. lineup, and it just it's just not really necessary. If they spent on pitching, who are they replacing? I mean, Hugh Darvish is their projected fifth Ooh, starter. Yeah, I guess you're right. So well, maybe bullpen. bullpen. Yeah. Yep. Just get more bullpen to go with Strope and Edwards. Um, I think lefty, maybe you get know a who's lefty, a really good like fit for them is Zach Britton. Yep, that that's that's good. So okay, so Hap, we're in on. Uh, let's go to the next one. Byron Suxton. <laughs> uh, I, I pronounced that right, dude. Now this for me, this is still one of those where I say that the price hasn't gone down enough. Because he's still going at like 196, and he's going right ahead of someone I love, Ramon Laureano, um, who actually cuts a, a similar profile. He doesn't have quite the blinding speed of Buxton, but he's an elite defender who's going to get his playing time that way and um, has some pop and speed. So you, you cut back a little bit of the speed but add more pop for Laureano. I'd rather have him 10 out of 10 times. But what do you think of Byron Buxton? My thoughts are pretty well known that I'm just – I, I got to see it. I'm willing to be wrong if if something if it if the breakout happens in front of my face, but as it stands now, I'm just not taking this guy. Uh, it's hard because I I think if you're talking about upside, there's very few players going as late as him that's got his, his kind of upside. However, mm-hmm. the, the chance he ever gets that upside is minimal. And look at the names going around him. He's going on right now as the 50th outfielder off the board, but 46, Austin Meadows. I know a lot of – I'm not super psyched about Fran Mil Reyes, but Fran Mil Reyes has uh, gotten a lot of hype. People, Some people in the industry really like him going 48th. My boy Billy Hamilton going 49th. 
Uh, <laughs> Kyle Tucker, who we talked about on the last uh, podcast, you and I did going fifty fourth. Uh, there's Chris Good Taylor. It go right there, and I know some yep. again another guy I'm not psyched about, but I know other people in the industry are Jesse Winker going fifty seven. I just think that he's not going low enough. Like this That's is what I'm this is still prospect name pedigree holding Byron Buxton's value up now. Another guy we talked about on the last one of this, uh, mm-hmm. the last post type, Manuel Margot, two fifty. Oh, I love Margot. Give me Margot in yeah. fifty points, Ian Happ. Uh, fifty draft spots. Ian Happ going right below Margot too. So yeah, Ugh, I can't I... do it, man. It's he's so overrated. It's ridiculous. I mean, there's not it. much. There's not much price attached, and if he does pop, like e- even if he has like a good two weeks, you're gonna be able to flip him for so much, because Chris List is right? in every league. Yeah, there is a Chris List in every league. There is a Chris List in every league who will want Byron Bucks, and, and people want his, him to succeed. So yeah, I think his you're right. His pick does... is one thirty-four. Oh. oh my god, dude! The I mean, outfielders going around that. Are uh, David Peralta, Ender Inciarte, Stephen Piscotty? That 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 part where we're talking about where McCutcheon would, should be going, mm-hmm. and it's like, come on, man! And I know he's gonna be 25. It's like it's not over, but if you're still holding out the original ceiling hopes for Byron Buxton that 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 you had a couple years ago, I what think what do you think really the ceiling is for Byron Buxton? Because I think this for me the ceiling is Starling Marte. Like, if he actually got the ceiling that he has now. I still think it's good B.J. Upton. Like, the like the best Ooh. of B.J. Upton. Because I think I think with Marte, the the batting average is too high for that comp. Yeah, that, I think that's, that's probably fair. And, and the, the best of, of Upton was, like, um, a couple seasons of 20-30. But he only had 243 and 246 in those seasons. Yeah, and, but Buxton kind of he could have that pop. So maybe okay, maybe you give him a little bit more average, and then take away a few of the homers. But I, I still think it's more in that level. I can't I can't even say that the the upside, the true like wow, everything's really Steven going right. Depth charts. I mean, like they're they're not like great on the average on the triple slash for him, but they're projecting him to get 525 plate appearances. Well, I mean, they got like come on, if they're not going to play, what are you doing? You're not. You're not gonna. He's not gonna figure it out in Triple A. What did he get last year? No, I know, and that's that's why he's mad, and apparently he's still mad about that that but, he didn't get called up in September. At some like, but what the hell get, are they doing if you're if not he's getting going to 500 play plate appearances? There's no way he's only stealing 16 or 17 packs. Well, they have him for a 300 OBP. <laughs> I just, but he had a, he had 29 stolen bases in 2017. In five eleven, yeah, yeah, and he only had a three fourteen on base percentage. His speed's impeccable. So if he's playing every day and getting and getting at bats and plate appearances, he's stealing twenty five to thirty bags. But you have to plan around that batting average yes. for Buxton too. You can't just say, "Look at all these bags I'm getting," and not acknowledge the damage it's doing to your batting average. So if you plan for him, and you have batting average it's guys in your base. By the time it gets to pick 200 and you go ahead and take Buxton, okay, th- then I can understand it because you say, you know what? I went with a bunch of uh, power batting average, power slash batting average guys to really build my offense. That way I kind of maybe got some chip in steals here, but no real true rabbits. And then I'm taking Buxton because he fits the plan and we can absorb his batting average. 
that's fine. But I don't think that's always the case. I think people just get these wide eyes and say, I'm just getting bags from him. Yeah, well, he this, brutalizes your average. This is one of the reasons, too, why, like, just from a strategical standpoint, if you're in a draft and you're worried about position scarcity, like, don't worry about outfield. Outfield is super, super deep. Yeah. Uh, and there's been plenty of drafts that I've been in. The, the pitcher list mock. Like, I didn't really draft a a true outfielder for a while uh and just filled it up at the end you know end of the draft with guys like Margot and uh you know I didn't grab bucks in but Kepler you know is out there Teoscar Hernandez is out there's a lot of guys lower on the outfield ranks that I I like quite a bit so uh and Buxton's one of those guys that I may not like him quite a bit but I can see the upside and see why I would pull the trigger on him yeah okay you know Again, if you if you're playing a Ford, I get it. It's just somebody, not somebody I'm gonna take, and so I'm gonna have to see it, and Sheep I might get speed. burnt on it. I'm well. I wish it was later though. That, that that's my biggest question. My the hard part issue. is Billy Hamilton's right there. In if you're looking and for he's cheap got the late guaranteed speed. time, yeah, and that's the hard part is. If, but Hamilton's stock's probably gonna rise now that he has a job. And in, in Kansas City, where they're going to steal everything. They love, they love stealing, yeah. All right, our next guy is, is one that would probably get pushed back on Colin and Postide because he hasn't uh, played in the majors yet. But people were pretty high on Nick Senzel last year, expecting that he would be up in late April, early May, and make a high impact. And, uh, you know, he didn't come up at all. Injuries really ate up his season and and kind of derailed the whole thing. He only played 44 games in the minors, but when he did play, he was still beasting. Six homers, eight steals in 193 point appearances with a 310, 378, 509. Um, you know, by the way, I think I've mentioned this before, but I think the Reds are doing some decent things. They're in a brutal division, but they're putting some things together. Their offense last year was already kind of solid. Now, if Senzel comes up, where's he going to play? Yeah. That's the problem is I don't – I believe I heard something about him potentially maybe going to start the year in AAA so he can learn the outfield a little bit. The outfield? Okay, I, th- I, ha- I kind of had that in my mind as well. By the way, I said if he comes up, when he comes up. And, he, and the Reds may trade year. a middle – the Reds are going to have to trade a middle infielder at some point. Uh, or do you move Peraza back to the outfield? He's played the outfield before. They could. Uh and who knows? There could be some some regression with with a guy like Peraza too, that where he mm-hmm. ends up playing himself out of a job. I I think that there are some people who are thinking that Senzel is going to be up super early. Uh, I don't necessarily know if I believe that to be the case. Aside okay. from the fact that if he's got to learn another defensive position, I mean, this is a guy who came up as a third baseman. He's been playing second and short. Uh, you know, potentially could be playing in the outfield. Uh, they're going to need him to get defensive reps before he comes up to the majors. He's also dealt with vertigo issues. And for those who've never had vertigo, vertigo is debilitating. It's really bad. I, I got vertigo one time Same. and I literally broke through my wall as I was trying to walk down the hallway. Like I fell into it so hard. Like I went through the drywall. Um, it was a nightmare and I didn't know what I had. And mm-hmm. so I literally laid in bed for like three days. And every time I woke up, the room was spinning. My eyes yeah. were like bouncing. And so apparently it's something that when you have, have it, you always have it and it can like flare up. Mm-hmm. But thankfully I've never had it again. And it was, a and medications night. can be kind of fleeting with it. So correct. <laughs> I 
he's still got you know some value because of the prospect pedigree and in dynasty leagues I don't think his value's necessarily gone down a whole bunch uh but I I'm not touching him in a redraft this is this for me uh, unless I've got a minor league slot in my redraft league uh, and I know like some fantrax uh, leagues do that and some uh, Yahoo leagues have an NA slot for for those kind of guys uh, you know I'll take a flyer then but in your traditional leagues where you're having to burn a reserve spot I, I'm not I'm not burning a reserve spot on Nick Senzel yeah, I, I think that that's completely fair. He's somebody that, and again, it's another wait and see for me. I'd rather get burned mm-hmm. and and say, okay, hey, I was wrong on this guy. He is he is ready to go and he is beasting, and I'll kind of means, enjoy it from the sidelines. I think from a straight skills perspective, he is going to be a great major league player at some point, as long as the vertigo issues don't continue to pop up. And also, he's had other kind of weird injury Health issues. issues. Uh, sure. as long as he gets to the majors and is healthy, I think he's going to be very, very good at some point. I just, I don't know if 2019 is the year it all comes together for him. I, I think that that's completely fair with, uh, with Nick Senzel, but the price is down. And so if he is somebody that you want to speculate on, I think it's now is a better time than, than last year when I thought, wow, why is this guy going so high, uh, when he hasn't done anything yet? Although, I'm taking guys that haven't done anything yet either, so I don't want to be too hypocritical there. I'm, you know, Kyle Tucker had a brutal major league sample, but he's also got his clear path to playing time, et cetera, et cetera. It's a little different. All right, next up is a catcher, so it's kind of easy to to see where this could fit in, especially as like a C2. But Jorge Alfaro is one of my favorite C2s, and he is post-type for sure. He was definitely uh, seen as somebody who could come up and have a really high-impact bat and hold catcher because of his arm back there. Not so much his defense, although I do believe that that has improved. Phillies fans, if if I'm if I'm wrong on that, let me know. But I feel like I read stuff that was saying, hey, he has his footwork and and blocking and framing is advancing. We know he's got a hose. If he didn't play catcher, he'd probably play third, um, maybe on a different team where they had third open. But he hit. He did pop ten homers, hit two sixty two last year, and three hundred seventy seven plate appearances. Again, for me, Alfaro. Perfect C2. Um, I like to get a decent catcher. If it's a two-catcher league, I want to get a decent first guy and then and then take a gamble like like this with a uh, with, with an Alfaro at C2. He's picked 250. I'm looking at maybe like a Ramos, Grandal, um, maybe even bounce back on Wilson Contreras. I got him well below his ADP. That is a pick I can share from the Royal Wire because it was a top 10 pick. You know, something like that, and then gamble with a Danny Jansen, a uh, a Jorge Alfaro, and and so he fits that. What do you think of a post-type Alfaro in Philly? Ooh, I think he needs to uh, stop hanging out with Yandy Diaz so much because <laughs> dude hits a lot of ground balls. They just uh, like to get yoked and hit those ground balls. <laughs> well, I think he likes hanging out with Yandy because he looks like he's got a huge launch angle when he does. Uh, exactly. He's like, yo, dude, you see this launch angle? And mm-hmm. Andy's like, dude, that's insane. Six yeah. degrees. Actually, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. But. It's, uh, I, ju- I just had it. Let's see. Seven point, seven point or eight hey, point two. So 8.2, which is, it's definitely a hell. So 2016, he did have a negative four. Uh, <laughs> it was only on eight batted balls, but <laughs> still not good. So yeah, he, he's got to get the ball up to tap into that power, but there is some pop Great here. exit velocity. He is above average in barrel percentage. 
uh, he hits the ball hard, uh, 44% hard hit percentage on StatCast. Uh, I I like the skills. I think he is a, unlike Yandy, who is a major launch angle adjustment away from being a, a very uh, profitable hit, uh, power hitter in the majors, uh, Alfaro is a minor one. Alfaro's like, if he could tweak it another degree or two, uh, I think this is a guy that could be hitting 20-plus home runs from the catcher position. You know what else he could do? He could steal some bags, too. He went 3-for-3 three three last year, and he's right by JT Romuto, definitely regarded as the fastest you know, catcher in the league, because he is, um, at 28.6 feet per second. Alfaro's second at, at the position at 28.3. So, again, we talk about Philly with uh, the steals for McCutcheon. That's not a team that's going to be promoting a ton of steals, but they also I don't think they hold their guys back if they want to get some chip-ins. And if you can get 7 to 10 steals from your catcher, that's massive. So if we could get 15 and 7 with like a 255 average, I'm taking that all day from Jorge Alfaro uh, at the catcher position. So he's a nice post-type catcher for me. Definitely someone I'm going to have multiple yeah, you get hurt in – on base percentage leagues, hundred percent because walking not really his thing. No, Striking I mean, out, he, like he well, swings outside of the zone like forty-seven percent of the time. Definitely, definitely. So that that is the issue with with Alfaro. Definitely be careful there if you are in an OBP situation. But the price will be cheaper. Uh, all right, next up is Orlando Arcia. My boy, definitely was in on that hype train last year. Loved him as a middle, uh, as an MI position guy. Definitely thought. It was going to be just one of those solid, if unspectacular, kind of seasons. 265-15-15 was kind of what I was thinking with the potential for more. But I was definitely thinking I had a a steady floor there. I did not. That floor disappeared. It fell out from under me, and I I went into a pit of despair. By the way, that's basically what have emulated his previous season, 15-14 with a 277. So I was just thinking, hey, everything in his skills says he can just maintain that. The defense is there. They had to move off of him, though, even with quality defense, because the bat was so bad. Did burst, you know, did have a little burst in the playoffs. I do like to see that closing out on a strong note there. Um, went off. Didn't he have a bunch of homers, like three homers in the playoffs, which was nice? The job should be his coming into the season. Age 24. Again, a nice power speed combo where you're looking for teens out of both. Nothing crazy. But uh, do you think Orlando RC is somebody we can get back on the hype train with? I'm getting back on the hype train, and uh, I usually hate the playoffs uh, a little bit because guys have big postseasons and their prices get jacked up, get and I was taxed. really afraid of that for Arcia, but it hasn't happened. I mean, he's mm-hmm. still going really, really cheaply, going as the 34th shortstop off the board, uh, 339th, almost 340th uh, overall. Uh, just behind Kike Hernandez and in front of Tansby Swanson. Uh, oh, your boy. Yeah. How are you going to decide between those two? <laughs> yeah, well, you love both of them equally. I'd like to ask where all those Dansby Swanson believers are. Uh, Surely <laughs> they'll, they'll I don't come hear from them very often. Oh, that's uh, weird. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, I think Arcia, he doesn't have a huge ceiling or anything like that, but I think he could be a 15-15 guy with a good average. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I know he really struggled last season, but what he did in the playoffs wasn't a fluke. He kept the strikeouts down. 
Uh, and this, I mean, the strikeouts weren't even out of control or anything, even at the major league level. I just don't think the Bre the Brewers were in a playoff race. They didn't have a choice but to kind of send him down to work on things uh, because they couldn't afford to to lose games. They were in that division race all the way through. So uh, I think he plays such great defense, it should get him a better uh, chance to lock in full-time playing time even when he struggles. Uh, I did say that last year. I believe it'll come to more to fruition this year. So I'm going to take the discount on Orlando Arcia. Yeah, me too. And I, I have some breaking news after this, but I'm going to finish the okay. finish the page here on Arcia. Just looking at his min pick, which is 211, right? Let's go on the high end. That puts him in between Chris Taylor and Lourdes Gurriel. Do you still like him if that if that's the the trio of players? Are you picking him first out of Taylor, Arcia, and Gurriel? I think I'm taking Taylor then Arcia then Gurriel. Okay, well, that's the order they'd go in. Yeah. That's fine, because Taylor's 209. So, but I think Taylor's um, criminally underrated, too, right now. I, I agree. I love I love Chris Short Taylor. Shortstop so, is super deep. Super, it, it super really deep. Is. Like, it I really is. I love Trey Turner and Lindor and Bregman and Machado and Story, but if I miss out on them, I am not worried. Well, and if I get even if I get one of those then, but I'm taking my middle from oh, shortstop sure. hours later. Because second base is gross. Yep. Absolutely. So, no, I totally agree there. So even if Arcia does start to get some buzz and move up closer to his min pick, which is unlikely. Um, yeah, I just think it's he, too think deep for him still, to, to climb very far. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think more more likely he'll settle around the Cattell Marte, Didi Gregorius, Estrubal Cabrera area, which is 240 to 280, and I'm still fine with that. So that's Orlando Arcia in uh, Milwaukee. Do have breaking news. Free agent Ian Kinsler, two-year deal. To the Padres. If you haven't looked it up yet, guess how much money in those two years he's going to get. Um, two years, I'm going to say $22 million. You're really going to be stunned by this because I was beyond stunned. He's getting $8 mil Wow. Total, not per. Wow. It's a two-year, $8 million deal. Wow. Roster Resource has him leading off. I saw that. I saw that. And why not? How the hell does he only get four mil a year? I think part of it is there are other really good second base options out on the second market. Base is deep. I, I agree. And so maybe if you well, want to sign Well, I think the market now, is, I mean, in major leagues and especially in fantasy, it's not. Well, yeah, yeah. No, the, uh, I, the, the free yeah, agent market. I mean, I uh, LeMayhew's still out there. Um, Dozier's still out there. Lowry. Lowry's still out there. Wow, this is such a great I like this is such a great signing for for the Padres. Harrison. Wow. But uh, Daniel No, I I totally agree. And uh I think this is uh, like you said a great move. You talk about when Hosmer came in last year, one of the things that they talked about was, you know, the veteran leadership piece. I think Kinsler fulfills that even more. You have a couple veterans that can really uh bring these guys under their wing, teach them how to how to be full-time major leaguers and really become a team that can be something, and he does and, it without blocking anybody because Luis Urias can go, now go to and short. And they can that always kind of, flip him at the deadline if they want. Exactly. Especially you know, he's a veteran guy. We'll go for some like C-minus level prospect unless he's absolutely beasting. But with that contract too, like you said, he, it's nothing. When I heard the Tigers were were kind of poking around with him, 
I was excited just because I really liked him as a Tiger, but I was like, ah, you don't want to spend too much money there at this price. Holy crap. I would have been totally fine with it. So good on the Padres there with uh, with Ian Kinsler. That's that's pretty surprising. Wow. But let's finish up with our last post-hype hitter, and we saved perhaps your favorite for last because I know you love this favorite. guy. Yeah, if I added him to the list. Injuries. He wasn't on the list you originally did, and I added like, him to the list. You? You're like, how dare you not include Bradley Zimmer? If you could turn off injuries for him, I know you'd absolutely love to. That is the major issue right now. Mm -hmm. He is on Cleveland, a team uh, devoid of much outfield, though. So if he is healthy, he should absolutely get a, a, you know, just unencumbered path to playing time. Can we get that help, though? What is the outlook for Bradley Zimmer next year? I'll, I'll just pull the string here and let you go on this oh, one. So he the, he had shoulder surgery in July, at the end of July. It was supposed to be about 12 to 18 months before he was able to uh, uh, to be back on, on the field. Um, or, sorry, 8 to 12 months uh, before he's back on the field. Uh, supposedly he is ahead of schedule. Okay. So that to me says, okay, there's a chance that we're looking closer to that eight, nine month, uh, time frame, which would put him what, like May ish. Mm -hmm. Uh, they have not addressed. I mean, they addressed the outfield with, with, with Bowers a little bit, but they've really not addressed the rest of this outfield. Uh, and I think Zimmer could be uh, a huge part of the center, especially the center field mix, because Bowers can't play center field. Even if they go get a Puig, I don't think they want Puig necessarily to play center field, even though he could. Um, it, he's got a ton of upside. And so this is a guy, if you play in leagues with unlimited DL um, or, uh, or deep DLs, uh, I'm going to have him as my last pick in virtually every draft. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah that's for sure it just there's so much upside and um uh, maybe it's the homerism in me because i watched him play in college uh, out in uh out in san francisco uh you know the average is never going to be good but this is a guy who has legit 20 30 potential and i, I mean I he like absolutely that. does and so just a matter of health uh and i'm gonna take the gamble on the skills why not? I mean, well, again, with, especially with power and speed, you love it. And the defense is, is so sharp for Zimmer as well. I, I mean, I, to, I totally agree with you. Uh, I, I, like, I like taking a gamble here. Definitely going to be somebody that I keep an eye on in spring training to see if I can get him as a reserve pick uh, of, of consequence. Because like I said, if there is health, he's guaranteed to, to get the playing time because their outfield is so is so sketchy. Yeah, I don't even know where he's going in drafts or if he's even going in drafts right now but i mean not he's not going in every draft that's for sure oh for sure uh let's see bradley zimmer 127th outfielder off the board 447th holy toledo uh that is not high though interestingly enough in front of some guys who are actually going to be playing um so or at least are, are slated to play adam duvall going behind him lonnie chisenhall going behind him brett phillips going behind him uh, Jose Perella just lost his job uh, to uh, Ian Kinsler. <laughs> yeah, he did. The 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 eventual uh, Mondesi uh, a replacement and Chris Owings going below oh him. So. You're really you're really going in with that one, huh? You, did you, you see it. that tweet? 
No, what, what, oh. I just heard you say it on like the podcast too. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I tweeted out when he when when Chris Owings signed that he was the event. Oh, now Kansas City has the backup or the replacement for Montesi when he oh, gets I might back to AAA. And yeah. oh my God, the hate I got was was I pretty awesome. That, so I gotta find that one. Um, all right, well that's gonna wrap it up. Um, we did it. We did. Yeah. We did another one here, dude. I just saw the Christmas shirt of yours <laughs> so freaking good dude oh man those that series of shirts is yeah road aware just 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 killing it with uh with the shirts so right. uh, well yeah. there they have the insurance by modesty oh my god <laughs> you're such a savage that's so funny <laughs> and then the the gift that you posted <laughs> that's so funny all right well that's gonna do it uh, we're heading into the weekend, so hopefully this this will keep you all warm to, during the weekend. A lot of hot stove chatter here, and maybe we'll do some post hype pitchers next time out, and uh, then you guys can argue with us that they aren't post hype. Yes, yes, the, the semantics right. is what we love to argue. Yes, definitely. So have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week. Take it easy.